everyone. This is Ankur Joshi. I'm the founder and CEO of Nuclei, and this is our podcast where we invite uh, senior bankers and leaders across the BFSI sector and try to understand from them what has been their background, how has their journey been, what has been their uh, key learnings and initiatives over the years. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of uh, inviting Nauru Srinivasan uh, onto our podcast. Sir, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Nauru sir has had an extensive uh, experience uh, across geographies, across banks. He has had a long stint at Stancy and Barclays, and currently he's leading initiatives as CEO and Chief Digital Officer at Dukan Bank in Qatar. Nauru sir, welcome to the podcast. Really look forward to speaking with you. Uh, good morning, Ankur. Uh, great to be here with you. Thank you for all the kind words. You have been extremely generous in your introduction. I uh, quite look forward to this chat uh, with you. Thank you so much. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, sir, let me, as I do with most of our guests, let me do one more thing. Um, let's roll back the years. Let's go back to uh, your formative years, you know, where you grew up, your education. Uh, and let's talk about that, that. What were the key incidents during those years, whether within the family or in school or college, which essentially charted your path towards uh, global banking career, right? Because uh, if I'm not wrong, the path which you took in 80s, this is before liberalization, right? That was a path very few people traveled at that point of time, right? So there was definitely something different that happened. Uh, we would definitely love to learn that. Sure, so that is, it looks like a flashback time. Uh, so, uh, you know, Ankur, I'm not as old as I look, just uh, 35 years in banking. So I'll try and uh, uh, give you a quick uh, career tour of uh, 35 years in about three to four minutes. I'll also try and uh, touch on uh, the formative years, the background and all that. Uh, so just uh, bear with me for about four minutes. I'll give you a quick, quick uh, synopsis of uh, what my story has thus far been. So uh, I'm an Indian. I started off uh, in India. I basically uh, was born in Kerala, brought up in Mumbai. So pretty much all my education was in uh, Mumbai. Uh, you know, we come from a typical Tandram middle class family. My mother was a homemaker. My father was uh, the CFO uh, in a couple of MNCs. Uh, and we were three boys in the in the family. I had an elder brother. I'm the middle one, and I've got a younger brother. Uh, like the, the typical, uh, you know, years that most of you know my ilk have grown up. You know, we were pretty focused in terms of uh, uh, academics, uh, and you know, academics was something which is uh, always a must-have. And uh, uh, fortunately, you know, as I look back, I've been extremely grateful and. Uh, uh, you know, I really appreciate the amount of effort and the importance that was given to uh, education, not just education, but generally the, the way we were brought up as, as boys uh, uh, in a, in a, I won't say too conservative, but in a typical Tambram family in Mumbai city. Uh, so I did my uh, graduation. I did my post-graduation. I passed out as an MBA from Mumbai. And then I was uh, hired by Standard Chartered Bank uh, in India as a covenanted officer in 1988. Uh, now I'll try and do 88 to 2022, which is about 35 years. So I'll try and do a quick tour. Uh, so I had a fantastic innings with uh, Standard Chartered. Uh, now why I joined Standard Chartered, I said, look back, you know, once we finished our 
um, MBA, typical, uh, you know, campus recruitment, it will be either the FMCG or the banks, which will come. And of course, some tech companies and other companies also came, but banks and FMCGs were typically given the day zero kind of status. And uh, I interviewed with uh, in a few banks because the reason why I chose banking those days was uh, uh, it used to pay you the best. Uh, the, the truth is that. And I always used to be quite... Uh, uh, you know, oriented or uh, quite uh, focused on numbers. Uh, basically, my graduation, I was a, a statistics graduate, I, and I, I was quite fast and uh, good with numbers. So I got selected by a couple of banks. I picked up Standard Chartered. It was one of the largest, uh, you know, banks, foreign banks in, in India. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, branch footprint, it was, I think, the second largest. It also had a great heritage, more than about, uh, you know, 100, 130 or 140 years in India. Uh, so I joined them, and then uh, that is how I stumbled onto this banking career. Uh, uh, you know, bankers are boring. I've been a banker for 35 years, and if you ask my wife, she will definitely endorse that bankers are boring. But I never uh, saw the need to go out of banking because I've been pretty lucky in the sense one uh, move led to another, So, and I think it's been a, a series of uh, uh, good positive experiences, which has also shaped uh, the way... Uh, I've uh, evolved as a professional or even as as a as a person. Now the 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 stint in Stanchard was quite um, uh, interesting in the sense I had the opportunity to get exposed to all different aspects of banking. I was in 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 uh, in the you know during our training they had a fairly rigorous training where they send you across uh, India called as Bharat Darshan so that you get a get a quick insight into the diff, you know different aspects of banking retail corporate operation a little bit of treasury what have you after that they uh, you know they confirm you uh, if they find you okay and then uh, off you go so by uh, 88 I got con 89 I got confirmed then I was those were the days when Standard Chartered was uh, uh, flirting with the thought of computerizing their uh, their operations in India. So I was a newly minted uh, management trainee. So I was asked, I was made uh, the project leader for computerizing the branches in the West Zone, which was, you know, Mumbai, Goa and all that. Uh, that was my first foray into operations, technology, computers, what have you. Loved it. Uh, you know, it basically uh, helped me understand uh, the nuances, understand a little bit of technology. I'm still learning. And also, uh, it helped me engage with people uh, in terms of how do you actually bring about change, how do you influence change, how do you train change, and how do you make uh, an organization ready to accept change and make it successful. Then I think um, the, the infamous security scam in uh, in India happened in 1992, and that was a time when, uh, unfortunately, uh, Standard Child also got entangled in that, and overnight the entire dealing room was uh, replaced. And uh, uh, I was one of those uh, three or four people who were thrown into the deep end. Uh, and I remember uh, starting off uh, Monday morning on the dealing there in the, in, the, in the money market desk and off you go. You had to figure out uh, how do you trade? How do you compute? How do you decide what uh, what is a good trade? How do you figure out what is a IRR? What is an ITM? How do you uh, evolve what a coupon is? So it was basically a walkthrough course. But as I look back, I think those were absolutely some of the most uh, brilliant and uh, enormous learning experience because dealing in a treasury uh, room is is not just exciting. You know, the external world has a perception that it's very sexy, very glamorous, but it is bloody stressful. And, uh, you know, there are great days. There are some terrible days, uh, but uh, uh, it was fun. You know, I enjoyed all of that. 
uh, once I finished that, then uh, uh, you know there was an opportunity which was bubbling up in Delhi uh, in the retail side of the business uh, as the zonal manager for North Zone. Um, so one of my uh, uh, friends and also senior in Standard Chartered, he talked me into it, saying that Naru, you've done in bad. Enough of uh, dealing. Why don't you come over and try something different? Now nobody leaves uh, dealing and pressury and all that, but uh, uh, I took that chance because I I get bored with uh, with the same stuff. You know, my uh, as I look back, I think I need uh, every couple of years a new challenge to keep me uh, interested. So I uh, took that. You know, it was actually also moving away from uh, Mumbai, my home base. I moved to Delhi, uh, and as I look back, uh, it was quite a different uh, difficult initially i hated it uh, because it was fraught with a lot of people issues labor challenges union strike what have you but as i look back i think uh, those helped me those experiences helped me uh, uh, have a you know much better uh, uh, ability to not just understand people but how do you actually work with people how do you engage with people scale large a large number of people and uh, 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 it, it's still something which I count as one of my, uh, uh, you know, one of my positive experiences at this point in time because that helped me shape myself as a, as a scale leader. I could lead uh, large teams, uh, not necessarily homogeneous, different style, different perspective, different personalities, and obviously uh, uh, organizational politics and uh, BS and other challenges. So you, I, I learned how to navigate through all of that. Then I think at the cusp of uh, Euro 19, a new currency was born in 1999. So I actually moved back to treasury because once you've been bitten by the treasury bug, it uh, you know doesn't get, get shake off your system. So I moved back in, into treasury. I was basically made the head of treasury operations. So I actually uh, uh, saw the, the arrival of a new currency, what we call as Euro. Uh, that you know, we, we successfully uh, you know, cut over into that. Then in 2000, uh, Standard Chartered uh, made a global acquisition of ANZ Grinalation across 13 countries. And in India, it was like an uh, ant eating an elephant because Grinalation was a much bigger bank. Uh, I was made uh, the uh, uh, officer responsible for integrating the two treasuries together. So that was my first foray into integration and uh, uh, you know what we now call as MA. You know, I didn't do the deal, but I had to do the dirty work of actually making the deal work. So I did that, and uh, we finished that successfully. Uh, we converged everything into one balance sheet, one treasury, one dealing room, and one convention of uh, uh, approaching the market, one face to the market. We did that in quick time, and that was also around the time when Standard Chartered was flirting with the thought of creating uh, the first ever banking hub uh, for, for the bank, global hub for the bank, and uh, they chose India. Uh, and no surprise, because India was those days bubbling up as the BPO capital for the world, or it was more a call center capital for the world. Uh, we wanted to try banking into that. So there was a crack team of uh, three people, two from the bank and uh, one from uh, from a BPO world who were identified by the group. And uh, I moved from Mumbai to Chennai. Uh, and we were actually initially a team of about three of us. Uh, and then we grew that company from three to 3,000 people in about 30 months. And uh, I think when I left Standard Chartered in 2008, uh, it had grown to about 8,000 people. So in quick time, we grew. Now, what that taught me is basically not just India, not just scale uh, leadership. How do you actually create a new concept? How do you actually migrate? 
processes, operations, transactions from different geography, different cultures into a central location called Chennai. How do you make Chennai a 24 by 7 capability? Otherwise, typically you are used to a 9 to 6 or 9 to 9 kind of an environment. How do you make crank that to make it 24 by 7? Did all of that. How do you actually uh, grow a uh, you know, team from nothing to uh, you know such a big uh, uh, organization? Uh, so I think that was fabulous. That experience was phenomenal. As I look back, uh, uh, you know, it was it also taught me how do you engage with different people, different uh, you know uh, countries, cultures, uh, expectations, and your own people. How do you train and groom people? How do you lead people? And perhaps you know that shaped my own leadership style. And uh, I'll talk a bit more about it uh, later. But let me now get to 2022. <laughs> let me let me just chime in a little. Uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, now, one thing clearly stands out, right? And that is that over the course of your time at Stancy, uh, you have not done just one thing, but maybe five, six different things. And like I've seen, I've met a lot of people. I know a lot of people who have either been a, a trader for the most of their life or been a retail banker or a corporate banker or an investment banker, but essentially they are siloed, right? Your experience is very unique. You don't come like people don't come across uh, such diverse experience in a single bank. Uh, one, why did you do it? Like, was that a well thought out uh, decision that I'm going to try multiple verticals because that will help me become a generalist and give me a variety of experience, not just from a product perspective, but also from a people management perspective, also from, you know, scaling up an organization perspective, uh, as you said, uh, you know, bringing a new concept in and then because any new concept or any new product brings in a variety of different challenges and problem statements, right? So you have to definitely be a problem solver by nature to do that, right? So was one, why did you do it? And two, how has that shaped your leadership style and your own personality uh, of over a course of time, right? How has that decision of becoming a generalist and not remaining a specialist in a single vertical, how has that shaped your personality and decision making and as well as leadership? Great question. Um, so I think it's, I'll say that I've been lucky in the sense I got uh, different opportunities uh, at different points in time in quick succession in the, within the same organization. Uh, you know, I, when we joined, you know, I had a lot of a batch of 30 offers and uh, you're right. You actually quite a number of them get pigeonholed into a department and uh, you willingly end up becoming a specialist. Uh, in my case, I think uh, uh, I got opportunities perhaps at the right time. And it is also, it, it's also not been just something falling in your lap. You know, I, you also need to uh, bear yourself or work around it. So it, it's been always this penchant of mine. I get bored, as I said, you know, I keep, uh, uh, I, I would love to, you know. Uh, now you're being modest by saying it's luck, right? You could have easily denied those opportunities. So there was uh, definitely some underlying reason why you were opting for them. Yeah. So in terms of my own personality, you know, you, you, know, you probe me, I'm just thinking aloud. Yeah. So uh, I always, you know, when I do something uh, after a couple of years, uh, if things are going great, I want to stretch myself out of my comfort zone. And this is not a nice, uh, you know, cliched statement. I, if you see my career graph, the last 35 years, I've done a myriad of things. 
and uh, it, there is a pattern that you know as i can see it every 2 to 3 years something new happens and uh, that is because uh, uh, i reach out for some for something doing something new uh, and the reason for that is uh, pretty simple uh, it's it's been uh, in standard chart also all these multiple uh, assignments uh, uh, i'd met up with uh, with uh, success uh, and uh, uh, not it's not just my personal success; it is also the teams. But I had the opportunity to be there, being visible. I had the accountability for leading many of those, so uh, I enjoyed the benefits of that. Of course, I have also suffered some of the uh, the screw ups as well. Or the, you know, it happens uh, in in a career graph. But uh, typically, uh, I I do uh, seek out uh, new opportunities, new challenges. So that is why, if you see, I have been in banking. I have done uh, operations. Uh, I've done uh, financial institutions group. I've been in, uh, in in operations. I've done pretty much everything you call trade, payments, current account clearing, uh, technology. Uh, then, of course, the BPO, which is the backest of back. I was also in risk management with Standard Chartered in, in their group as the department in London, uh, which was their head office. Then uh, dealing. Uh, so I think I was also in uh, in private a priority bank of Standard Chartered. So I've... Uh, I've done different things at different points in time, <clears throat> and this uh, uh, yeah, I credit also goes to the organization because they are they are willing to give you those uh, chances and they are willing to take those risks with uh, with their own talent. So that's been uh, useful. Uh, the second thing is, I think, in terms of um, my own leadership style is, uh, uh, you know, having been in in trading or in in treasury, I uh, have a huge risk appetite in the sense I'm willing to take a risk at various points in time. So in the sense, even if a new opportunity comes, uh, I don't get scared or worried or nervous whether this is going to happen, what happens. Like I typically uh, do a quick assessment. You know, Treasury, a uh, dealing taught me a couple of things. I am pretty quick when it comes to taking decisions. Yes, I'll also be honest, not all my decisions are always right, but uh, if eight out of 10 is good, I think you're okay, right? Uh, even God makes mistakes. So I think uh, two out of 10 is okay. <laughs> it's, it's accepted. So eight out of 10, if you're okay, fine, get on with it. Now, my leadership style is, uh, uh, I don't know all the answers. I have no illusions about it. So I, I deal with ambiguity pretty well. You know, I just frame the challenge. The way I see leadership is, leadership is about talking possibility, right? It's, it's the art of talking possibility, wherein you should be able to actually create some kind of buzz, some kind of an excitement, uh, be positive about it, be courageous about it, but more importantly, uh, not just uh, you know framing the challenge and leaving the team behind in, in the deep end, but how do you actually uh, you know, bring about some actions? How do you, you know, lead them with energy? How do you actually support them? How do you actually you know, not just make decisions faster, but how do you make those decisions strategic in nature? And you know, as I look back in my career, now I've been lucky to work in different countries, different geographies. So India, of course, I started. Then I went to London. Then I came back to India. India itself is a big geography because I worked in Mumbai, Delhi, Chennai, Calcutta. So these are you know a big country or big setup by itself. Then I've worked in in when I was in Barclays, London. Of course, I was in London. I also had the accountability for operations in Manchester, Birmingham, and uh, Basingstoke. Then I was made uh, the managing director for EMEA. That is when I moved from London to uh, UAE because uh, my beat was 
operations outside of London, which was Ireland, uh, Germany, Brazil, or, uh, no, not Brazil, Ireland, uh, uh, France, uh, Germany, uh, Italy, Spain. Uh, then it was UAE, of course. Then there was uh, Pakistan, India, and uh, Singapore and, uh, and uh, Hong Kong. So this was my beat. So it was quite a, a large you know, number of countries. And uh, uh, Dubai I chose as a location because it was quite central. And uh, it was also my first experience uh, out of London. And they also asked me that you want to be in Dubai. I chose Dubai because it's a tax-friendly uh, place you know London sucks a lot of tax out of your income so and Dubai was also closer to home and uh, as I look back I really love that decision because that has been perhaps the best career decision that I took because basing yourself here and having the opportunity and also uh, basing yourself in, in Dubai as an expat gives you the best of both worlds now it also uh, that experience uh, you know helped me engage with different cultures uh, the, the Middle Eastern culture in India, of course, I had that opportunity in, in UK. I had the opportunity of the UK uh, and, and of course, uh, Eastern Europe and, uh, you know, Germany, France and all that. What I realized is uh, the dealing with people, uh, uh, it's not magic, actually. You know, it, it's a process as I look back in the sense uh, 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 if you are uh, authentic as a leader uh, uh, and if they are able to see credibility in you, uh, then I think uh, normally nine out of 10 times they, they will do anything for you. And I, I'll tell you why I'm saying this. Uh, in most of my assignments in Barclays, uh, you know, I've tried to cover, there was a strategic shift. There was a new group CEO who came and he wanted to actually exit uh, uh, most of the countries that <clears throat> I was uh, accountable for because you want to make the bank a transatlantic bank. So uh, all the you know businesses outside of UK and US, uh, including Africa, was something that he decided to divest. So my challenge was to try and find new buyers and uh, at the same time keep the lights on because you were accountable for BAU, right? So uh, I had to manage all of that. And uh, when, I have, uh, when I was selling out operations, for example, in UAE, I sold the entire retail piece to Adib. In India, I sold the entire retail business to uh, my ex-bank standard charter. In Pakistan, the entire country, be it retail, corporate, everything I sold to uh, HBL. Now, these all, uh, in, in Spain, we sold to uh, a local bank there. In, in Italy, we were getting pregnant with a deal. In France, we were looking out for, for some buyers. Now, uh, when you do these kind of transactions, it leads to uh, mass scale redundancies, right? So, and uh, the people are smart uh, in organization. They, they get the joke pretty quick. So no point trying to, you know, weave it around some, uh, you know, PowerPoint or corporate BS. If you talk uh, uh, with credibility, if you're upfront, if you're honest, if you're transparent, and at the same time, uh, if 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 you're interested in the well-being of, of of your own resources, normally people respond pretty well. I've seen it live in action, be it uh, London, be it Manchester, be it France, or be it uh, Pakistan. It it worked. Now, how does that work? Is how do you show professional will, and uh, how do you actually uh, also show personal humility? You know, it's not like uh, leadership is not like walking a ramp wherein. Uh, you are trying to display or dazzle the crown on your head. Actually, the crown has to be seen by the people. You don't need to point it there; it's, it's sticking there, right? So it's it's uh, it's about humility, but at the same time, you need to also take ownership of of uh, 
the 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 people who you are accountable for if you are if you show respect to them if you invest in them in terms of investing in their skill sets and if you make them uh, knowledgeable uh, consequently you make them successful right so they also find their their their, their calling and then they move on and even when it comes to difficult decisions like separation or redundancies if you handle that uh, transparently and uh, in an objective manner with dignity of the employee being preserved i think uh, everybody uh, responds you know for example i still have uh, people from pakistan uh, you know i i'm an indian but i still have so many friends from pakistan who to this date it is seven years since we exited that business but uh, we are still connected and i still know i've been to lahore i've been to karachi a few times i can i'm fairly confident if i go there they will definitely buy me dinner so i think uh, really uh, that's the nice. style <laughs> really nice so so you, like again uh, you have had a very impressive and a standout career right and why why i say standout because as i earlier said it's been very diverse and it has been Uh, across multiple geographies, across multiple banks, and more specifically, across multiple verticals within a bank, right? Uh, for any young banker who's maybe just starting now or a few years into their banking journey, right? What advice would you give them? Like, if they want to chart out a path like yours, uh, what should they do? And probably more importantly, what should they not do? Right. So in our own industry, banking industry, the way I've seen it uh, evolved. You know, when I joined banking, I keep joking with uh, my friends. You know, why did you join bank? Uh, you know, those I remember one of our profs said that uh, banking is all about three six three, i.e., uh, borrow money or accept deposits at three percent, lend the same money out at six percent, and hit the golf course by three p.m. Right. So that was what banking was. So when I joined in eighty eight, I remember. simple boring stuff like current account fixed deposit and savings account right that is how life was but then uh, in in the 90s uh, it started getting more and more productized right so you had i remember in india we had the city bank came up with unfixed deposit so they actually started branding and it has become fiercely competitive it has become so intense as i look back but now in the last uh, maybe a decade or so uh, the technology uh, disintermediation the fintech penetration has been so profound that our entire industry is largely getting commoditized uh, as i see it now because i think we ourselves as an industry have gone through uh, a tsunami you know i'll tell you why uh, the tsunami is because uh, if you flash back to say 2008 there was the big subprime banking crisis which led to a huge trust issue you know banking is all about trust you leave your money with us because you trust me Now, if that uh, the the core, the basic edifice of trust is questioned or suspected, then it shakes the entire foundation. So our industry is you know survived that. Then, at the end of the day, we are we are uh, uh, we operate in an economy, and the, the laws of economics uh, uh, are are absolutely important for us to keep our business not just successful but sustainable. Now, if you have seen. Uh, now of course fortunately inflation is rearing up interest rates are going up but the last 15 years or almost uh, almost two decades it has been an era of uh, low interest uh, uh, you know economies right and at the same time so what happens is uh, it, it, the 363 principle doesn't work you know i can't borrow money at 3% and lend that back to you at 6% rather i borrow money at say 3 and lend it back to you at 3.02 right so which means my own jaws or my own profit margins are significantly getting eroded and for that same uh, you know uh, size of the business 
there are enough and more people who are clamoring for competition. Um, then, then there has also been a, a sort of a regulatory firestorm for our industry. There are much bigger disclosure issues, much bigger uh, expectations from not just from our regulators, but even from our own customers. And uh, thanks to the fintech, they come actually and then they offer uh, pretty much a significant chunk of the popular products like moving money, remittances, cash. Uh, the, you know, the, the fintech or uh, the, the money exchange companies are able to do it much faster, much cheaper, and much quicker. So in the most of the, the, the luxury business or, you know, safe business are, have been sort of eaten away. So our industry itself has gone through significant challenges. And I think globally also, if you see, it's, it's, uh, there are more banks than we actually need. I think there is still scope for significant consolidation. Now, well, reacting to your earlier question about some of these experiences, as I see, you know, what I was lucky to have uh, helped me immensely because uh, consolidation is happening, integrations are happening, mergers are happening. So recently in Qatar, in my, my current portfolio, uh, you know, I joined the uh, International Bank of Qatar as the uh, you know, chief operating officer. And, and, and when I interviewed with them leaving Barclays, I knew that they were hiring me not just to do a cool job. Uh, it was basically also they wanted my skill sets and experience in, in, in acquisition and integration. And we actually managed to do the first ever banking merger in, in Qatar's banking landscape. So I, we managed to, and I was the chief integration officer accountable to the, the board, to the chairman, to the CEO of the two banks. And we managed to land that plane. It was the first and the fastest uh, ever merger. And uh, all the numbers played out pretty well as I look back three years in, I think we have delivered on almost all the promises that we made uh, in terms of not just emotional, uh, but uh, financial commitments, uh, be, it, be it balance sheet, be it profitability, be it cost income ratio, uh, be it efficiency, everything, you know, we have managed to deliver it. Now, uh, how did that, you know, uh, the, the chief integration officer role is, 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 is quite, a, quite a, a significantly uh, stressful, uh, enormously responsible and uh, uh, the market statistics or empirical data doesn't support much because eight out of 10 uh, mergers are a disaster. So I walked into that role actually with my eyes wide open because I knew that uh, either I fly or this will crash, but then somehow we landed. And uh, uh, the, you know, these experiences that over the last 30 years of different areas gives you a much better perspective, much better understanding in, in helping you ask the right questions, right? At the end of the day, uh, again, leadership is not just talking possibility. It's about having the right conversation and to have the right conversation, you need to ask the right questions, right? And uh, it's all it's all, always uh, not easy conversation. It is difficult conversation. It is also the fine art of negotiation. So I think these experiences uh, come in very handy. Now, uh, what advice will I give uh, youngsters Oh boy, I feel very old now. You make me look like a fossil, but uh, let me try. Uh, I think uh, uh, I will request uh, or I'll expect uh, 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 the, the youngsters, they're very smart, very savvy, much more uh, well-informed and technologically much more endowed than uh, anyone like us when we join, uh, is to have an open, open mind, open mind and uh, uh, go with the flow. And the reason why I'm saying that is our own industry, we are in 2022, in the next five to seven years, it's not just going to be consolidation, it is also going to be the entire tech platform, uh, the tech ecosystem is going to significantly change. So you'll have 
the Ubers in banking or the Amazons in banking, because what is banking all about? You need to have uh, your capital, you need to have your risk appetite, you need to have your uh, skill sets to lend to the right customer and ensure that you are able to recover the, at a profit margin. And uh, you need to, you have your brand, which will help you get your customers, right? You don't need to have a huge uh, army of technology applications. If you look at uh, techno I, I, I managed technology in Standard Chartered, in Barclays, I worked uh, in this bank also, any typical bank's uh, technology map, if you see, it's like a supermarket. It's like a superstore, right? There are so many apps which are floating around there and just to plumb it and make uh, the data flow from uh, start to end is like pulling teeth very often. Reconciliation issues, data consistency issues, quality issues, then there will be KYC related issues. So I think most of these, uh, the hard work that, uh, that, uh, that also sucks a lot of cost uh, for a bank, can be sort of divested and you can actually write if you're able to build your brand. And uh, it's like, you know, the classic Uber example wherein they don't own a single car. It's just their brand and their technology and it works, right? So they neither own the driver or the car, right? but it is Uber that you take. So that concept in banking, uh, it's been talked about for a long while, it could happen. And uh, I do see that happening. So I think uh, uh, the opportunity to be uh, to be a specialist, it has some some value, but it is important not to uh, not to get stuck in. Don't get pigeonholed into that. Then you you minimize your own uh, you know career opportunities. Is my two correct. correct, correct. Thank you so much, sir. That's a very very important advice, and this is something which we also talk internally at Nuclei that uh, all of us should strive to become. Uh, a T-shaped personality or a pie-shaped personality where we are specialists in one or two verticals, but then we have, you know, working knowledge of a lot of verticals, primarily also because it helps you to have empathy with each and every vertical, right? Otherwise, if you don't understand what it, it takes to run an operations business or a sales business or a treasury business, then you, whenever you are interacting with them, you just cannot have empathy with them, right? So that's, that's one important bit. Jumping from empathy to kindness, and this is my last question to you, sir. What is the kindest thing that anyone has done for you? Oh, quite a lot, actually. Uh, and I mean it when I say this in terms of, uh, I've been lucky uh, because 35 years uh, in career, uh, that's actually, that dominates my uh, my life at this point in time because uh, I'm not 70, so obviously it dominates my uh, about 60 or 70 percent of my life. In the first uh, 20 years, you grew up, studied, and what have you. Then you've gotten into this. Now, as I look back, I think uh, uh, I've been lucky with a lot of uh, good bosses uh, in in all the three organizations, uh, different countries, different cultures. So I've had more great bosses than uh, than nasty or difficult bosses. You know, you get uh, some some oddballs as well. Uh, so I think uh, just observing uh, good leaders, good bosses around you also shapes your own thinking. And it also helps you deal with uh, situations and uh, issues that you confront, right? Uh, so I think uh, uh, I've been lucky with good bosses. I've also been lucky with, uh, with great friends and uh, great team. For example, some of my best friends uh, are still from Standard Chartered. I left that organization about 14 years ago. But I still have my mates there. You know, it's just a phone call for me, and then off you go. And you don't need to have any great agenda or great formality. Just ping a message, and uh, you can bounce off ideas, right? So, uh, 
that that network has been very very useful and i've also been blessed with good teams uh, you know uh, some of the teams that i've led even 20 years ago or 30 years ago we're still in touch which i think uh, as i look back i feel very happy and satisfied because the very fact that they are still in touch with you and they take your calls mean that you've been a good boss you've been a good human being and uh, because i genuinely believe that treat people the way you like to be treated yourself you know that's been my guiding spirit i don't know whether it's our upbringing or uh, the, the the values that my parents uh, uh, you know taught us uh, even, even my you know my brothers you know that's the way we we've always been uh, uh, our outlook to life has been so that's been uh, one good thing and finally at the end of the day why do we do all these things right it is it has got to have what is the purpose of life uh so uh, you know purpose and maybe uh, and uh, 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 a corollary could be how do you see success right obviously you know you don't do something to keep falling and uh, injuring yourself right you need to feel at the end of the day you need to feel happy about it now uh, uh, i keep thinking you know what is success i recall like when i joined the bank in 88 and standard chartered was a very hierarchical organization and uh, you know you join at a grade then you have to keep scaling that up and uh, as i looked at it uh, those days uh, it, my my definition of success will be from this grade to this grade to this grade at this point in time then you are a rock star right uh, but as i look back uh, you know it, it was very naive when maybe it was a bit uh, childish as i you know those thought process today after what 35 years my outlook my definition of success is definitely much more dimensions it's much more broad based yeah career success of course it is Uh, because it it feeds many other things uh, uh, you know in your life but aside from career success i think it is important to have uh, wellness i.e health good health good habits you know good health is very very important uh, you need to have relationship if you've got great relationship not just you know husband wife or father son or father daughter or brother sister but i think relationship generally uh, with 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 your own surroundings and your ecosystem so do you have friends from your childhood do you have friends from your organization do you have friends from your society that you are part of right so i think that friendship quotient is very very important because that helps you very often if you a lot of uh, uh, you know clouds or a lot of worries in your in your head or a lot of stress then of course uh, at the end of the day you know this this relates to my point of purpose you know it has to you need to give it back to the society right uh, so whatever you have gathered at the end of the day you don't take anything with you which is again a cliched point but how do you give it back not just in the form of monetary donation but how do you actually help the society uh, uh, which is important then also some spiritual grounding you know i i try and do that as best as i can uh, because it helps uh, clear a lot of cobwebs in my, in my own mind and there's a lot of there are lots of questions for which i have no clue but all these things sort of help you and if you are able to sort of balance all these things in a, in a very rational objective and a thought through manner um, it it, uh, it 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 shapes the purpose uh, or it helps the purpose of your of your life uh, in a, in a successful manner so i don't know whether i answered your question but well, that's the way i look at it answered it very very well thank you so much naru uh, this has been a very fascinating conversation i really appreciate you taking time out for us and uh, looking forward to meeting you soon again likewise i'm glad you enjoyed it look forward to seeing you thank you for for the opportunity thank you thank you